welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice for your plants and landscapes. We also enjoy talking about landscape design and learning how we can have a positive impact on our environment. I am Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design. And I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we think it's important and possible to have great gardens that are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Down the Garden Path. Tonight, we are looking at a way we can have a positive impact on our environment, and we are talking about electric cars, and we are joined by Tim Burroughs. Before we start, let me tell you a little bit more about Tim. Tim has owned and driven battery electric cars for the past seven years and has logged over 250,000 kilometers without the need for gasoline or diesel fuel. He now enjoys sharing his electric vehicle experience with others and breaks down many myths and misconceptions about electric vehicle ownership. Tim is a member of the Electric Vehicle Society, a nonprofit organization which works to promote the understanding and ad adoption of electric mobility in Canada. In his role there, he chairs the EVs Society Mississauga chapter. Welcome to the show, Tim. Well, thank you very much, Jen. Happy to be here. Excellent. Well, why don't we start off and, and you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your first experience buying an electric car, like why you made that decision? Sure thing. Well, uh, you know, I, I was still, uh, I'm a retired person now, but when I was uh, working in the last few years of my career, I uh, sort of followed an interest I had. I've always been interested in technology. And I started sort of listening to what was going on in the electric vehicle space. And this one company in particular, Tesla, was really grabbing a lot of airwaves. It, it really, um, it was kind of the idea of driving on electricity, uh, not using any gas or diesel, it captured my imagination. And I was really curious. I could imagine what it might be like to, to have an electric car. But of course, until you have one, you really, you really can't, uh, can't appreciate the experience. But anyway, I eventually I, I took the plunge, certainly more money than I ever spent on a car before. But, and I was very, you know, in, in those days, you're kind of worried about that company, whether it's still gonna be in business by the time you need to have some work done car. And uh, so I was a little bit apprehensive, as you can imagine, but I took the plunge and you know what? I never looked back. I, I'm really glad I did what I did. And uh, yeah, so now here we are over seven years later. Excellent. Now, do you have that same car? Actually, no, I have a second car. I, uh -huh. I, uh, I had a, my first car was a, a Tesla Model S, which is a big full-size sedan. And I had that car for about four and a half years and I really loved it. I really did love that car, but I, I ended up selling it to a friend of mine, who, by the way, is still a friend. Which is a good <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I purchased then a Tesla Model X, and a Model X, of course, is a is a larger vehicle. It's it's an SUV style of vehicle, okay. and yeah. And with the new with the new Tesla, I have a on a full charge. I have a rated range of four hundred and seventy five kilometers. So, uh, so it's a great car. Excellent. Well, that is really interesting. And, uh, and your friend is still a friend. So that's good, too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they're enjoying that car very much. And uh, I, I kind of miss it. You know, there, there are pluses and minuses to the two styles of cars. Uh, what I was finding, in all honesty, was that that Model S, it's fairly low to the ground. And uh, as I was getting a little bit older, I found it was getting lower to the ground. And, and particularly, <laughs> Or uh, we have some family members who, who are a little bit uh, restricted in mobility and getting in out of the back of it was a little bit challenging mm -hmm. because it was it's a very sleek, beautiful car, but it is sort of uh, sporty and low. And so with the second vehicle, of course, that's a non-issue. It sits up nice and high and, and uh, it's, it's not as sexy looking in some ways, but it's still a beautiful <laughs> car. Still beautiful car. <laughs> and now about repairs and things, like you said, you worried about when you first bought it, you know, would they still be around? How have, like, is there any, is it the same as repairing, you know, any other vehicle, like like the lights and brakes, that type of thing? Yeah, certain aspects of the car are really no different than a conventional um, internal combustion engine vehicle. Things like the brakes, although there had some neat characteristics there that I'll, I'll mention, but uh, things like the brakes and the tires, uh, windshield wiper blades, 
Uh, we still have to put washer fluid in it. Those things are all common, right, with the car. Mm -hmm. But um, the nice thing on the brake side, of course, is they don't really wear out very quickly because they, they, you use something called regenerative braking in electric cars. And essentially, when you take your foot off the accelerator, that electric motor that you're, that's driving your car turns into a generator. And in doing so, it's capturing energy from the motion of the car, putting it back in the battery to help your range. But it also puts quite a drag on the car and slows it right down. So you almost never use your friction brakes. You can just really? almost one pedal drive. So the brakes last a very long time. But, wow. Uh, yeah, it's a, a lot of hard on brakes. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, you, you, you get used to it. Actually, I, I, my wife for a time, my wife has a, now an electric car too. But uh, for, for some time, uh, she kept her gas car and I would occasionally be forced to drive it. And um, it, it would drive crazy because, you know, the, you'd see the light up ahead turn red. I'd take my foot off the accelerator and the car didn't slow down. It just kept going. Whereas my car would have virtually come to a stop. And it uh, takes a while to relearn that old way of driving. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I think of the Flintstones and the pedaling. I don't know what that image came into my mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about that. Uh, yeah. So that is interesting. And so electric, a lot has happened in the last seven years. You said you bought, you bought your first car over seven years ago. So, and since you're so involved in the industry, you must have really seen the progression of, of all the new developments and how the industry is changing. Yeah, I have. It's, and, and it's an interesting technology. You know, it's not new at all. At the, as a matter of fact, at the turn of the century, in the, in the 1900, uh, electric cars outsold gasoline cars. They were far more popular. And for a lot of the same reasons that they're becoming popular again, they were quiet. They didn't, you know, spew out all these fumes you didn't need to wear goggles uh, you know to keep the the exhaust out of your face but yeah i think but then they they kind of went away of course as gas cars took over for a time for a long time but now we're seeing uh, these electric cars come back and starting in the late 90s with uh, general motors produced that car called the ev1 which was a, a fully electric car and and people really loved it they i only think they only made about 2500 and they only leased them so people uh, didn't actually own them, but they loved the cars and GM made a business decision not to continue and they recalled all those cars and, oh, and people went really? nuts about it. They, 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 they absolutely almost rioted over the fact they would, had to give back these cars. And oh, so no. that put another little dent in it. But now, as you say, things are back and things are changing very quickly again. So the first uh, new wave of electric cars, they were all pretty much gas cars that had been converted by big car companies to be electric. So they essentially, essentially put a whole lot of batteries in the trunk of the car and made it an electric car, which was a good start, but they, there are issues with doing that, obviously. And what mm -hmm. I've seen over the last... 15 years or so is that there are fewer fewer of those uh, those types of vehicles being manufactured and more purpose-built electric cars and when that happens uh, you get a lot of uh, uh, superior driving characteristics mm -hmm. and because you end up with a battery pack under the floor which makes the center of gravity low which makes the car handle very nicely and then the most important thing that we're seeing happen of course is the the battery technology improving and improving. And so we're getting, we're seeing the newer cars every year coming out with longer and longer driving ranges on a charge for less money. Um, they're still expensive to purchase, but they are actually, if you look at the total cost of ownership, they're actually cheaper today. If you buy, if you're gonna buy a new car today, uh, I would strongly recommend you look at, at an electric vehicle. You'll pay more upfront, uh, mm. It's true. But if you look at the fact that the fuel is cheap, the maintenance is minimal, and the lifespan of the vehicle is quite long, that you get that money back uh, for sure. So, okay. And fun. where do hybrids come to that? I know you said, so is that what you would consider the ones where it was a gas vehicle that they stuck batteries in? Would you consider that a hybrid? Uh, not necessarily. So hybrids are, are essentially kind of what they sound like. They're basically a vehicle that has both a gasoline engine and a battery electric motor. And so the, the concept uh, in, 
in most instances is such that when the the battery runs down if you're out driving somewhere and the battery gets low the the gas engine just seamlessly turns on and takes over and if you were on a long trip and needed gas needed more refueling en route you could get get your gas tank filled up and continue your trip so it's both gas and battery and they're good i i think that they serve a purpose they're kind of a, a stepping stone to mm. to what i call like a gateway to the real thing mm-hmm. yeah uh, but but they uh th- there are issues now what we're seeing in sales globally is that the hybrid cars are declining in sales oh. and because battery electrics are are um are getting so much better and when you think of it that to have to be driving around and hauling around a gas engine that requires maintenance etc that you use very very rarely i know a lot of folks that buy hybrids and they say you know i i've driven it for a month and the gas engines never come on so they're hauling around that weight and mm. uh, that needs maintenance uh, needlessly and we're mm-hmm. seeing people skipping over hybrids yeah, I could see that as it being something that people were nervous to go all in on electric. So then that was like, you know, like you said, it was kind of a, a stepping stone. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, hybrids are, are good. The one thing I will say, if somebody really feels they need to take that interim step and buy a hybrid, my only advice to them is please look for a hybrid that has a plug. Make sure that you can plug it in. Uh, there are hybrids that don't have a plug. And when you think about it, really all they're doing then is burning gasoline to generate electricity to charge the battery. And uh, you might get better mileage overall, but that's not the the most uh, uh, friendly way to do things. It's better Mm -hmm. just to have a plug, charge. Our grid in Ontario is very clean. uh, We're blessed with really uh, clean energy that way, electricity. And so, yeah, get one with a plug and charge it up when you can and um, you'll hardly use any gas anyway. Okay, and just plug it into like the garage wall or is there a special adapter or special? So uh, it's an interest, that's a really interesting line. So electric cars, people ask me, do I have a charger in my garage for my car? And I, if it's a simple, a quick conversation, I'll say, yes, I have a garage charger. But the fact of the matter is that all electric cars have the chargers built into them. Every single one, they come that way. And so really all you need for your car is an outlet, an electrical outlet of some sort. Now you can plug an electric car into your regular 120 volt household lamp outlet. You can absolutely do that. There are a couple issues. One is it's very, very slow. If you have a big battery, and it's, it's empty, you're going to take days and nights of charging to fully charge okay. that. Okay. Uh, but, you know, as in a quick example, I go up to a cottage near Peterborough, and I run an extension cord through the window, plug it in next to the bed. We get to the cottage, and we don't go anywhere for the first three days. You're all just packed in and moved in. And so for three days and three nights through the bedroom window, I got a full tank again. Uh, but, but, of course, there are faster chargers. And you can buy something in your garage that, that's 240 volts. Think of, um, think of the outlet that you use for an electric stove or an mm-hmm. electric dryer. Yeah. You know, those, those round ones. That's all you need for, for any electric car. Okay. And they're, they can be really inexpensive, like, yeah. depending on your, your setup at home, of course. Mm-hmm. And what about the street side or parking lots? You know, this, the the um, charging stations that you know governments put in and then remove and then put in and then remove <laughs> well it's a, they're they're having a lot of fun with that the, it, the charging infrastructure is really improving and if you have an electric car you know where those chargers are there are certain apps that will will tell you where they are a lot of cars now they've built it into the navigation system so that makes it really easy to find them that way the, the chargers that you see, there are two types that you'll see out in the wild. One, one is, um, one is the uh, 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 sort of a standard, we call it a level two. It's not super fast, but you know it takes a few hours and depending on what you're doing, that can be fine. Then there are really fast chargers that go, that you can, you can get a, like a 75% charge in, in 15 or 20 minutes. And they're right across Canada now. So you can travel anywhere in an electric car. 
Wow. And the car must notify you like there's no running accidentally, you know, just like gas cars don't accidentally run out of gas on the 401. You know, the electric cars aren't going to stop. No, no, it's the cars are very, very good at keeping you informed uh, on your remaining range at any given any given time. And when people ask me about that, I just say, well, when was the last time you ran out of gas? Uh, if you run out of gas all the time, yeah, you're probably going to have a problem with an electric car. But unless you totally don't pay attention, there's no reason to run out of range in an electric car. Okay. So Tim, you said you get about 475 kilometers to the charge, right? Was that about? Yeah, on my right? Model X, my 2017 Model X, that was the, that's the, the, the rated range, yes. Okay. And, and for our American listeners, that's about 295 miles. What about, and sorry, maybe I missed it in your cottage story. Did you tell us how long does it take for that battery to charge? to like get a full charge where you could continue driving? Uh, usually, it again, it depends what kind of charger you plug into. If you're on okay. uh, a, a, what we call a DC fast, this is the very fastest uh, level of chargers. It can be 15 to 20 to maybe 25 minutes, depending on, on the temperature of the battery and how empty it was to begin with. Um, batteries don't charge in a linear fashion. Uh, we're all using lithium, lithium ion batteries. And one of the characteristics of those batteries is that if they're close to empty, if they're depleted and you plug them into a fast charger, they go really fast. They charge really fast up to about 65, 70%. And then it starts to taper down. And that last 25% can take as long as the first 75. But the point is you don't, don't, it's not like a gas car where you have to fill it up every time you stop. You just get enough energy to get to where you're going. And because you, you charge it every night, you leave it plugged in and it's full every morning when you go out to your car, you know, it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not. And they're not with the battery seems to be the larger source of like, um, controversy, lack of a better word, or just questions, right. And, and information. So we do have a listener question. Um, and he happens to work for Tesla. So he says he works for, so he really loves our show. It's very informative. However, at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, he works for Tesla as an engineer scientist. My job is secure no matter what I say. The technology for Tesla car is amazing, but it's not perfect. In fact, our battery systems are not as high end as we would like them to be and more work and research needs to be done. And a lot of materials for these batteries is unfortunately mined in Africa where they use children to work for very little wages. More cars, more mining. You know, how does that impact the environment? Um, as I say, he's not afraid to tell the truth because his job is secure, but um, our electric cars are the way of the future, but the technology is not just there yet. So do you have any feedback yeah, there? Yeah, I, I have a few comments about that. So yes, a portion of the battery chemistry uh, consists of an element called cobalt. And at the moment, Cobalt, uh, it's available everywhere in the world, but uh, the majority of it does come from the Republic of Congo. And they have some um, unpleasant and uh, despicable work uh, uh, habits there. In any event, one of the things that this gentleman or lady do is that Tesla has been working uh, diligently, as has Apple and other lithium ion um, users, uh, to eliminate cobalt from the battery chemistry. In fact, I believe that the current uh, battery being used in China by Tesla in their mass production there has eliminated cobalt completely. And uh, to the point about Tesla's batteries not being uh, as good as they want them to be, of course they're not. <laughs> it's like anything, they're always gonna be improving. I will tell you that uh, I think you wouldn't find a lot of people arguing with the notion that Tesla's batteries as they are today are the best in in uh, in production anywhere, so uh, yeah, I'm sure they are. They've got some wonderful things coming down the pike that that uh, uh, will improve the batteries. They'll lower their weight. They'll increase their energy density and uh, reduce the cost. Those three things in the next few years are going to bring the cost of those those electric cars down below the cost of a comparable gas or diesel car. And mm. it, frankly, when that happens. 
it's kaput for uh, for internal combustion engine. So mm. he's right, but uh, I mean, there are other sort of sides to that. Story yeah, too. we're moving the right direction. So with those, like the lithium, like the issue with the battery, are they the same issues that, like for cell phone? I know cell phone batteries are much smaller, but is it the same environmental issue? Identical, identical. Now, uh, the other thing I should say on the environmental side is that there is more mining involved in the production of lithium battery packs for cars. But that again, if you look at cradle to grave for these cars, they do far less uh, damage uh, to the environment than um, combustion cars do. If you also take into account the whole petrochemical industry and all that happens there from fracking to refining to, to transportation of the fuel. I mean, we don't have to transport electricity. We all mm -hmm. have it. You know, it doesn't have to go on a truck somewhere and, and spill and do all those things. If yeah. you look at cradle to grave, uh, battery cars are already superior uh, mm -hmm. without without question. And how are, so Tesla has obviously been, you know, established as a leader um, and now Chevy and Ford have, you know, for the past few, whoops, got a little feedback there, um, talked about them, they're starting up, ramping up again. Will they have similar batteries and similar um, structure to, I, mean, I don't know what the technical word is, to like the Tesla battery, or are they also looking at developing, um, you know, a, a different type of battery? I don't know the details of all of the, those different manufacturers. A lot of them purchase batteries from some well-known world suppliers, LG Chem, uh, to name one. There are a bunch of them that, Panasonic, of course, uh, that, that, that supply batteries to the auto industry. Uh, General Motors has come up with something that sounds pretty interesting. They, uh, they have purpose-built battery packs now for EVs, and they, they could be able to use them on a platform that can be um, employed across a variety of different models of vehicles. At GM and Ford uh, are investing heavily in electrification. They see that this is the future. I think uh, GM is now just, they've named a date, which is not very far, 10 years or something. They're going to be not making combustion engines. Mm. So um, yeah, there, there's some different approaches to the battery packs and, and uh, some people want to make their own. Some want to continue to buy them from third parties. Um, okay. There'll be just different styles and approaches. Some are in cylinders, like you see at a transistor, or no, I won't say transistor, just the round batteries that we all have grown mm -hmm. up with. They look yeah. like that now, but they're not inside, but they look like that. Others are, are pouches, are actual pouches that are in uh, little cabinets. So there are lots of different ways uh, to go about it, and they're all trying to find the best way. Yeah. And do you think they are taking the environment in into consideration, like the mining of the lithium? And Absolutely. I mean, as I say, uh, even companies like Apple who use those same batteries in your phone and, and other products, they're all looking very hard at the supply chain to make sure that they are buying the, uh, the components from responsible suppliers. It's impossible, I think, maybe totally to get that right but they're all in earnest trying to do it and i think mm -hmm. that this is a temporary situation this this mm -hmm. this issue will will go away but they're all trying to do it make it clean i mean any any uh, successful and responsible company of any merit uh in this day and age is working hard to uh to reduce their their footprint in the environment okay excellent excellent so yeah so this is some questions from our first couple of questions from uh, our listeners. Oh, Matt, you've got a couple more. I have a couple more and we're just kind of in that point in the show. Um, we're just want to say uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. We are talking with Tim Burroughs, um, electric car enthusiast, all about electric cars and the impact uh, they have on their environment. But uh, yeah, thank you for joining us down the garden path here on Reality Radio 101. Uh, Joanne and I enjoy hosting down the garden path each week, bringing you interesting, relevant and helpful topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests like Tim that join us here on the show. So don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path and find us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, and while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content, like, share, and leave us a comment. So Tim, we have two other um, 
uh, listeners who have written in. We've uh, got Sharon has written in. Hello all, are you forgetting what powers up the chargers for these cars? So I think Sharon's commenting back on the uh, comment you said from the cradle to grave, the um, you know electric cars beating out the diesel powered cars. Um, but uh, sorry. Or also, and we were going to talk about that with some of my questions too, is to talk about the electricity part of it. So we can seg segue into uh, Sharon's question. So go ahead, Matt. So perfect. So Sharon will be our little segue. Um, Sharon asks, where does the, the electricity come from, power plants, and what are power plants run on, coal, nuclear, and fossil fuels? And the more electric cars we produce and have folks buy and use, the more power we will need to charge them and use more of these other fuels. The technology just isn't there yet, and until we get both the best of both worlds, electric or even hybrid cars are not the answer. Love your show. Thank you, Sharon. Interesting, Sharon. Well, I'm not sure where she, do you know where Sharon is from? What part of the... We she don't. did not know. say, but Sharon, if you're still listening, I don't yeah. know if you want to share that with us. Yes, let us know where you are. Yeah, so so again, uh, if Sharon happens to be in Canada, especially if she's in Ontario, I can, I can assure her, first of all, that the power supply here is extremely clean. Um, yes, there's nuclear, but, uh, you know... <laughs> A lot of places have to rely on it, and it is clean in terms of uh, carbon output. Uh, we also are blessed here with a whole lot of hydro production, and hydroelectric uh, is very, very clean and, and quite abundant uh, in, in our neck of the woods. It's in terms of the amount of energy, and by the way, if you drive an electric car in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania is largely still getting its electricity uh, from uh, burning coal, uh, you're still cleaner in the long run driving an electric car. It takes you more years of driving that electric car in Pennsylvania to sort of break even with the, your mm. environmental debt, but uh, you're still better off there. And the other thing I'll say is that if we can get more and more people driving electric, all jurisdictions, wherever you are in the world, they're all working to clean up their, their energy grid, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And if we all, if we're all driving electric as that happens, we all get cleaner at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, if we stick with a combustion engine, it doesn't matter how clean the grid gets, we're still polluting. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a plus side there. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of amount of energy, I can certainly speak for Canada and for Ontario, and that is there's, there's plenty of energy. If every car switched over to electric, now they wouldn't do it at the same time. Uh, mm -hmm. It'll take some time for that to happen, but we have enough energy to power all of these cars. What we don't have in our infrastructure is the ability to charge all of those cars if they all plugged in at the same time and hit charge. Mm -hmm. So there, there will be uh, Im uh, improvements to the infrastructure, the, the electrical in infrastructure that will be required. And there are already all sorts of, of um, industry uh, popping up that are creating software and various things to what we call manage the load. So that it doesn't matter if your, char your car charges at night um, at, from 10 till midnight uh, and mine charges from 3 a.m. to, to, to uh, 4 a.m., all we care about is that it's full when we get, get in the morning to go to work. Yeah. And so by spreading, spreading that around, you, you solve uh, that load problem. Mm -hmm. But amount of energy, not a problem. Yeah, in Canada. And I think, I mean, there's, I'm seeing, sensing a common theme so far with our listeners that are writing in. We haven't said that we're there yet, right? Like no one has right. said that it's perfect. And and so I think, you know, it's one of those things where we're, Matt and I always love learning more about how we can take baby steps to, uh, you know, uh, improve our environmental impact. And it's cool to see how long, how much this industry has grown and, and the changes that they're making. Um, but we all three of us could probably admit that it, we're not, it's not perfect, you know, um, but it's cool to learn about how we are making um, strides and, you know, also addressing the environmental, like the mining and, and, you know, child labor, like we don't want any of that. And, and that exists in many other industries, including the landscaping industry with natural stone, anybody who has a natural stone port, you know, so that's a whole other show, right? <laughs> so you mean that in worldwide knowledge about that and how we can, I think the more we talk about it, the more that we're going to make everybody aware and then we're expecting more from the country companies we purchase from, right? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. It's it's a, it's um, and, and talking about is is a great first step. Like with just making aware, people aware, and then if people are aware, they'll make they'll make the right choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And Matt, there was another question. Yeah, we've got um, a couple more questions. Actually, we got Sharon. Another one is coming as well. Uh, but Fred writes in, hello. Uh, most of us are not going to agree on this topic. I'm not an anti-electric car. In fact, I think that it's pretty cool. Your guest is going to be pro because he's uh, pushing <laughs> pushing that agenda. Uh, and that's okay. However, it's still not good for the environment as you need power to charge this vehicle. Power comes from power plants. Power plants use a lot of different fuels. Uh, there's more mining uh, for this lithium and cobalt. Electric cars will be uh, the way of the future. Solar would be the best because the sun is free. Mm. So, yeah. comment from so yeah, again, when we don't know it, because I, I think there, there's some places in the U.S. that where the energy wouldn't be as clean as in Canada. Would that be the case? Yes, as I said, I mentioned Pennsylvania. As an example, uh, they still do rely heavily on coal for, ener- for electricity production. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're and it varies, right? It varies by by state uh, in the U.S. Yeah. And certainly, some some are less clean than others. And so, um, uh, but in all the studies that I'm aware of, uh, it's still you're still better off for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Uh, driving mm-hmm. uh, driving electric. I don't have a, a particular agenda. I mean, I, I do yes. in the sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do in the sense that I have. Uh, I guess I'm a little evangelistic. Once you see something that you really, you know, you, you realize how great it is and what a good driving experience and all the rest, mm-hmm. you just want to tell other people about yeah, it. Right? Yeah. But you have and no skin my... in the game. Like you don't work for Tesla. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's the thing. So for our listeners to know, yeah. you know, Tim's just, he has no skin in the game. He's, he's just an enthusiast. Like Matt and I, you know, talk about plants yeah. and we have no skin in yeah. the game, right. About the stuff that we talk about. So, uh, so yeah, so it's meant to be just informative and, and right. We Matt and I are always wanting to learn, and uh, that's why we've had past experts on about you know po- solar power. And it would be cool to figure out how to connect the solar and the and the sun, you know, the solar and the electricity, right? Yes, it would, and and it's actually happening in some some respects. There are uh, you if you you do a Google search for electric car chargers that use solar panels. So they build a canopy, right? A big canopy with solar panels in the top, and you pull into the canopy and plug in, and it uses um, oh, sunshine okay. charge right now you need battery storage too because uh you need an awfully big solar panel to, to charge an yeah. electric car but if mm-hmm. you have one that's there it could be filling a battery and then you can fill up from the battery so i mean these things are out there and and you're going to see more and more of them mm-hmm. so coming back to the electricity i mean the one thing about canada or at least ontario i'm sure it's all, all across canada is we the government actually kind of controls our electricity right so and we learned from ray we learned from our ray and our, and our solar show in december so any of our listeners want to look back at that show um listen back that right now, you know, what we're paying is actually being subsidized. So we're not really seeing the, you know, the, the, the real true amount of what we should be paying for electricity and that's not sustainable. So at what point does like the expense of, cause it's not like as much as electricity is available, it's not necessarily free either. Right. 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 So at today's rates, if you charge at home, and I'm sorry again to the, your audience that is um, far from us, but in, in our province of Canada, our, our electricity rates are on a, um, a tiered rate. So if we, we have a time of use. So mm-hmm. if you charge between 7 p.m. and 7 a.m., you pay about half the price for your electricity than if you charge or you use electricity at, at peak times. Um, if you and that's how we charge, right? The cars have a, a timer. They know not to start charging until the rates drop, and then you get, oh, you get that's the lowest. Good. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, um, uh, if you did that as we do, charge it off peak. The equivalent cost, if you can find a gas station today that's selling uh, gasoline for uh, again Canada, thirty cents a liter. If you can find it that cheap, that's what it's costing you to drive your car on electricity that you fill up on uh, off peak. So it's about roughly 25% of the cost of gasoline to fuel an electric car in, okay. in Ontario. Um, 
and I forget where else I was going with that conversation. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's just, I mean, like the, and the government component, right? So if they're like, what is to prevent them? We have nothing to really prevent them from, let's say, raising the rate, like the more electric cars that come on, are we at risk with the government then raising like much like we are with oil and gas, right? They raise the rates. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a real uh, can of worms in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I listened to Ray's talk and I appreciate, I think he's quite correct that the rates we pay for electricity are subsidized at the moment. We're not paying the true cost for electricity and the true cost would be higher. I don't know how much higher, but as you can hear, uh, it could go, it could go by four times higher and you'd still be even with, with um, uh, gas, right? So okay. it, it go up by four times and you'd still be the same price as gasoline to fuel your electric. What I will tell you now, I'm going to sound like I have an agenda, but the last numbers I saw is that in Canada, the uh, oil and gas industry receives in subsidies something on the order of, it's in the billions of dollars of um, subsidies to help them search for new oil reserves and do all the things they do. Mm -hmm. uh, the electric car industry gets a fraction of that. So the, you know, if you took away all the subsidies behind oil and gas, the, the cost of oil and gas would go way up mm -hmm. and therefore electricity would be even more attractive. Right. So it's, it's like I say, it's a bit of a can of worms. I mean, and, yeah. and by the way, I, I, I don't, please let me just say, I, I don't, I'm not here to vilify the oil and gas industry at all. You know, if it wasn't for that industry, you and I, we, we wouldn't have the, the lifestyle and mm -hmm. the standard of living that we all enjoy. They, it's been a wonderful thing in many ways, but like lots of good things, it needs to end because now we're seeing what the cost of it is, the cost in terms of environmental uh, damage. Um, so I'm thankful for them having, getting us to where we are, but it's now time to sort of break away from that and, mm -hmm. and do something more, more responsible. So excellent. Thanks. No, no, I appreciate that. That's, you know, nor are we, you know, it's just, just having, we all have to think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So Matt. Um, we do have a couple uh, people who have written in, um, I think a little, yeah, here we go. Uh, Harry has written in. Um, Harry says, I have to disagree with your guest, not for the Tesla car, but for the comment that the electricity doesn't have to be transported. Uh, the power grid uses, oh, as I block my own screen, uses steel, aluminum, and chemicals to manufacture all aspects of our power grid. Uh, he says he knows as he works for Hydro One here in Canada, not to mention that we are trying to get the power grid underground to protect it from the elements. So digging, mining, and interrupting the natural habitat of the land as well. Yeah, and to Joanne's point earlier, there is nothing we do that doesn't have an environmental penalty attached to it. Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah. I had an uncle once who said it isn't safe to be alive, you know, and, and he was he was kind of right. You you can't avoid it. What you can do is reduce it. And mm -hmm. I think that I think we that infrastructure is going to be there whether we have electric cars or not because we we all need need power to live, especially in our climate and the temperatures we deal with. And, and that I would, I would dare say that um, having trucks motoring around carrying, you know, tankers of fuel and, and so on is more detrimental than having electricity that was coming anyway to your house uh, come through those wires. So yes, there's a cost. Uh, you, if you don't want, if you really want to get down to it, we get rid of all the hydro and everything completely, get rid of the wires and the telephone poles. And, um, but I don't think that's maybe what you're, your listener was trying to say yeah yeah for sure and again we're not saying it's perfect we just wanted to learn right. a little bit more about it and how far it's come in uh, in this period of time and what the companies you know that are moving towards it uh um, you know, and there is still, you know, oil needed to like create the other parts of the car too, right? Like petroleum, you know, it's, it's, it's not go like, I, I, I don't understand. That's part of the conversation. I think I don't personally understand is why is it um, all or nothing, you know, like, why can't we look at the positives and take the positives yeah. out of both? Well, we're, trying to, we're trying to reduce <laughs> the damage, right? That's what yes. we're trying to do. Yeah. 
find alternate solutions to reduce, mitigate, and heal some of that damage that we've done. Because we've realized that there are, like Joanne was saying, there's those positives we need to take and, and build upon and learn from, but there are also all of those negatives that we're recognizing that we need to, to work towards. So I think that kind of ties into Jennifer's comment. Um, just Joanne, like you were saying about using petroleum and other things. Jennifer writes in, hello, electric cars will never, um, sorry, uh, will never get, take. take the place of oil, mining, etc. The reason oil and petroleum products are used in just about everything uh, that we enjoy and use every day from cosmetics, medical uses. We love our cell phones, computers. Uh, which use plastic made from oil, fracking, mining, etc. We love to travel, planes, trains, and ships. There'll be no end to mining. Uh, we need better technology. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and again, I'm not saying any of those things are, are mm -hmm. aren't aren't uh, true. We we absolutely will need um, oil and oil byproducts going Definitely. into the future, but on a fractional basis of to what we've been using up till now. It will become far far less. Uh, fully 25% of the, the carbon um, problem that we have is coming from automobiles, light, light uh, duty trucks and passenger vehicles, 25%. And that's low hanging fruit. Uh, when you try, try an electric car, you're going to find out, even if this environmental side of it wasn't part of the discussion, I think everybody who drives an electric car for any time uh, would agree it's a, it's a much nicer drive <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's more convenient it's more convenient to live with mm -hmm. um so uh but the the, the environmental part is kind of a, a big yeah too. and i think i mean all those jennifer all those industries that you mentioned like travel like planes trains and ships and you know they're all also looking for best way you know best practices and you know i'm I've been on cruises and I love might be, you know, pre-COVID, you know, we were, we were on almost on a, you know, a year ago. Um, and I, you know, the, the cruise line that we're with, you know, I've gone to all those, like do the, they do the environmental presentations of how they've changed and how the ships have changed and, and how they're trying to reduce their impact. You know, they are all over it. Like I, so I think all industries, whether you were aware of it or not, regardless of the, you know, the, the color of government and regardless of country, you know, I think those corporations know that they can do better. And I really think they are. Yeah. Know that they can do better and that we want them to do better as well. Mm -hmm. That's what I say. It comes down to what people will do in, in terms of their choices going forward. If you have a choice between two companies and you know that one is doing the things the right way, it's a no-brainer, and mm -hmm. and those companies know that, and that they're going to succeed because they've made these good choices. It's mm -hmm. it's the way it works, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think people are choosing. You know, they're choosing to not shop at grocery stores where everything's wrapped in plastic. They're choosing not to even take the plastic bags from grocery stores. Like it starts, you know, it starts in small steps. I I get that. Like me not taking those produce bags is not going to have like a big world impact at the end of the day but it it's it starts on little steps and I think we're also forgetting the generation that's yet to come um you know that Mike like my kids in their 20s they're much more aware of things and and choices um so what are your thoughts on you know somebody who buying their first car like I guess that's quite the investment for like the 20 somethings to uh buy an electric car as their first car yeah, I mean, everybody's circumstance is different. And as I say, today still, and probably for another, I'm going to say a couple of years, you're probably still going to be paying a, a premium to purchase one of these cars. Like Longer term, you're going to get that back from that mm -hmm. purchase, but still today. And so everybody has to look at their own circumstances, both financially, but also what their driving needs are. Because, you know, as much as I love Tesla, there are a bunch of really great electric cars on the market and they meet different needs. So if you need a car to drive around town or in the city and you're not planning on going cross country, well, you don't have to spend a lot of money to buy an electric car. Um, by the way, there's a, I should mention that there is a, um, well, again, this is a Ontario thing, is a $5,000 uh, rebate uh, on the purchase of um, electric cars uh, depending on how expensive they are, not the really expensive ones, but you can also get some government support on the purchase. But uh, it depends on the person. And, and if you just need a, a runabout, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't need, you don't need 400, 500 kilometers of, of range on your car. 
Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Remember, <laughs> you're plugging it in every day when you're finished with it, and every morning it's full. Yeah. And if that happens to your gas car, not now with COVID, but normally, if every night you went to bed, somebody snuck into your driveway and topped up your gas car to full, no matter how much you used it the day before, but it's mm-hmm. full in the morning, how long would it be before you needed to go to a gas station? Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, that's what yeah. it's like for people who have electric cars. It's full every morning. And so we never even think about it. It's, it's really uh, freeing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, what if you don't plug, like, it's not like it loses power overnight if you didn't pl- power it up or didn't plug it in, oh, right? It, it, I mean, it, lithium question. batteries lose, yeah, well, they lose a marginal amount. Like, uh, they'll, okay. they'll lose a little, a little bit of what we call vampire drain, but that's partly because of the battery chemistry and probably because the cars are, some of these cars have computers that are running all the time, even when they're turned off. Okay. So they drain a little bit, but it's not, okay. not a big deal. Well, it can't be a dumb question if it had like a cool name like Vampire. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. No, no, Vampire Dream. Google it. You'll see. Yeah, that's cool. See, there you go. Learn something every new. So we hope everybody's enjoying listening and learning a little bit about the industry. And and we realize, I mean, I think because Canada's clean energy is so much cleaner, you know, we really have an opportunity to almost be a leader in, in that technology, I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Canada has a lot going for it in terms of uh, um, the auto industry. I mean, we're already a huge uh, manufacturer. We don't have big car companies of our own, but we do a lot of manufacturing in Canada. And, and uh, as a result, we have a, a ready supply chain and we have natural resources. We, we could do a lot in this area. This is a big um, disruption, okay, that, to the auto industry. This is enormous. And if you think about companies that have gone through it, I mean, um, Kodak is the one that always people always talk mm-hmm. about. Kodak was a blue chip company. I mean, that was rock solid. And inside of a few years, they were gone because, mm-hmm. and, and you know, the irony is Kodak invented digital photography, but they never could I Could I interrupt you? I, uh, sure. being from Rochester, New York, and where Kodak is, uh, <laughs> the, I had a lot of stock in Kodak in the 70s and 80s, believe it or not. And, um, you know, Tim is absolutely correct. Uh, that went, when they didn't step on board with the digital everything, they did develop digital technology, but they were still a little bit, right, Tim, you know, still staying with the film and analog and stuff, and they lost their butts. And guess what? I lost my butt. So yeah. I can see his point. So very good, very good point, Tim. And Polaroid, is, Polaroid would be another one too, right? Well, Polaroid was uh, Polaroid. a direct, go ahead, Tim. Oh, no, you're in the industry, so I'll let you... Well, well I'm not in the photographic industry, but, but Polaroid was a direct competitor of Kodak, of course, because they had instant pictures, right? But still, Polaroid came out with uh, in the digital domain, and Kodak, when they really started coming out with it, it was too late. It was being taken over by Japanese companies and other technology, and they just didn't follow suit fast enough, basically, is what happened. So back to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one thing, I, there's a great article I read in Forbes that talked about that whole Kodak thing and not to go into the weeds with it, but um, Kodak hired, they had a huge budget, as you imagine, they hired this great think tank to say, well, what do you, what's going to happen with this digital stuff? And the think tank said, well, the bad news is digital photography will replace film. The good news is you've got 10 years to get ready for it. That was wrong. <laughs> the second part was wrong, and, and Kodak is gone. I mean, think about uh, Sam, the record man. If you mm-hmm. again, if you in the Ontario area, yeah, you know, it was it was a uh, what do you call it? It was a, a keynote, a, a landmark record uh, mm-hmm. place in Toronto. Everybody went to, and uh, it's gone. It, everything went digital, and this is what's happening with the automotive world: is it's going digital, and so these cars are quite different yes the tires and the brakes are all the same but the drivetrain and you know the, there's no transmission in these electric cars to speak of uh it, it, the parts side of it is radically different so um oh, interesting. yeah the automotive okay. industry has really got its work cut out for it to make this transition and be successful and some of them some of the big companies won't make it i, I mm. predict wow and so do you think Tesla has the advantage of like coming down in price and to compete with what maybe GM or Ford can come up with like in five years? I, because you they've, know what? They've, yeah. As far as the building of the car. 
I, I do. I think um, Tesla is uh, is weak on the manufacturing side, whereas General Motors and you know Ford and, and Toyota, these companies have been manufacturing vehicles for years mm-hmm. and they know how to do it, the, mm-hmm. the manufacturing side of it. Tesla has the technology that's five years ahead of those those guys, yeah. but they don't have the, the manufacturing chops yet. They're mm-hmm. on a fast learning curve and they're getting better and better but they have a ways to go there to, yeah. to, to beat them on both fronts. Yeah. I do think that, I mean, if Tesla hadn't been there, it's hard to, to argue that, that the other companies wouldn't, would, would still be going digital or going electric. I don't yeah. think they would. I think yeah. they saw what Tesla was doing and they realized they had no choice. But um, yeah. And I you think mentioned, um, sorry, because I'm a GM girl. Like my dad, I told you, you mentioned off air that my dad worked at General Motors. So I was raised, yeah. you know, I'm a girl car girl. But um, and you mentioned General, how many years ago that General Motors had a car? The it first the electric late, car? Uh, I believe it was the, around 1990 that the yeah. EV1, EV1 was the name of that car. Yeah. Okay. So do you think they can like repurpose that technology? No, no, I think it's, it's, I don't think there's a lot they can probably garner from, from having gone through that. Uh, it's, I mean, the batteries are totally different now. Uh, well, there may be some things that they can take yeah. away from, but, but they have some very smart people uh, mm-hmm. in, in that organization. And I imagine that they're working really hard on making this all happen. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, it is good that they see, you know, we can all look to Kodak and learn from that. Right. So this has been so informative. Matt, do you have any other questions for Tim? There are a couple longer guest questions if we wanted to tackle that, but I know we were within our last eight minutes. Um, Thoughts? Uh, Hmm. Nope. Is there a, (laughs) are they both around the same theme, I think, or? I think they are too. Um, Katie opened again, just maybe just for Tim. Uh, Hello. Excellent show tonight. Unfortunately, Um, Tesla cars are just way too expensive now. I'd love to have one, but your guess is right. This is the start, but it would take decades to totally eliminate mining, etc. If we get rid of gas cars, what about trains, airplanes, and ships? Uh, and, And like we've said, right, other industries are making um, headway. Headway. There's the mag drive train chair trains uh, in Asia using magnetics and no power or stuff like that. So uh, it won't happen in our lifetime, but cars are a start. So thank you, Katie. Yeah. Uh, so, so there are a lot of, if we have a minute, there are a lot of yeah. other areas now that are starting to um, take advantage of the uh, better batteries and electrification um, technology that's out there. So now you can buy an all electric snowmobile. You can buy um, there, you, there are electric planes, believe it or not, that, that can stay in the air for an hour. And they're using them for training because the fuel cost is, is, is and maintenance is, is oh, tiny. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's uh, boats. The, the, you're going to see, a, there are already a bunch of boats. You can have mm-hmm. boats made that are fully electric. And um, some of those have, like you can think of the, uh, the, the, um, the, not the barges, what do you call them? Houseboats with the big canopy over the top they're building them with those canopies or solar panels so you mm. can extend your time out in the water because you get a lot of sunshine out there usually and yeah uh, yeah it, it's it's creeping into many different areas i think some of the uh, ferries uh, being used now in bc and, and even ontario are electrified so uh, and buses buses everywhere mm-hmm. now our municipalities are, are uh, bringing in electric buses Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just coming. It's coming. Yes, it's uh, definitely coming. And I think the more we learn about it, the better. Right. And, and thank you so much for, you know, just explaining a few things, especially the mining and, and, and understanding that. And um, yeah, I think, and the, all the electricity questions we had for you. So this has been really informative. I've been so looking forward to talking with you. So we must tell everybody about your website. So Tim talks, Yes. Yes. And, and you, so I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say I, I um, that that website is has some links to some very uh, interesting and helpful I hope uh, other websites and it's also a little portal I use to find uh, groups that would like to hear electric talk car talks and I I have a presentation I do that is kind of like an electric vehicle 101 and covers a lot of basics a lot of things we didn't get to tonight um, and people seem to like it so yeah uh, yeah. 
please visit uh, visit, and I'll happy happy uh, to do a virtual talk for your group. Excellent, excellent. And I again, you have no no skin in the game, as like we like to say. Um, no. And my sport analogy, Gary, right? And, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but you know, you're an enthusiast, and it's something that you you know believe, you know that you really have learned a lot about. And I think it's great to share it and to communicate, um, you know, clear clearly what's what's really going on in the industry. So I think that's great. And and uh, and I didn't even know there was such a thing as a, a electric vehicle club. So that's also a cool thing for anybody who's an enthusiast and who wants to learn more right yeah so the it's, it's called the electric vehicle society it's ev uh, society.ca and uh, that's a, a national thing right across canada we we have affiliates right across canada it's basically connecting all the dots of car clubs right across canada and uh, we now of course meet virtually and we put on a webinar every month we have a webinar called canada talks electric cars and uh, you can see our past webinars are all recorded and they're on our YouTube channel, EV Society uh, YouTube channel. And it's, we get experts, people who really know their stuff in certain areas uh, dealing, having to do with electric cars. And, Excellent. Uh, so we need that we, Tesla engineer that was uh, yeah. you know, from Canada. So we need yeah. to, you know, you need to, I have to find his name. You need to talk to Tim. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much, Tim. We really appreciate you joining us here. And, uh, and everyone, this will be available, you know, on our podcast to listen to or if you caught, didn't catch all of it. Um, and check out uh, TimTalksTesla.com uh, for more information about Tim. And we just really thank you for doing this. I know you're used to doing the virtual talks and stuff, but doing uh, a radio show is, is a fun way to do it, too. So just no, no funny, no clear slides, right? <laughs> no, it was a blast, though. It's great meeting you, too. And thank you uh, for giving me some airtime. It was really oh, nice. Oh, you're welcome. No, thank you for educating us and our listeners. And, um, you know, like we say at the top of the show, we just we just wanted to learn all the little things we can all do um, to lessen our environmental impact now and in the future. So I think this is, you know, learning more, just like when we learned about solar, learning about electric, electric cars is great. Um, we've got a couple of great shows coming up, Matt. What's in the next couple of weeks? Well, you caught me off guard. I put him on, on the spot, everybody. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> That's all right. But next week, we've got uh, micro food farming uh, with Jennifer McGinnis and her brand new book coming out uh, in March. And then I believe we are talking all about hardscaping uh, with Landscape Ontario's Joe Salami. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so March, we March. start a whole new theme, don't we, in March? We're going to talk about too. landscaping and hardscaping and landscape design as we approach a new season for 2021. Um, so I want, we're going to do some deep dives in, in each week of that uh, that month. And uh, yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, garden season, you know, we're still, we've got some snow coming, but the phone is ringing. So landscape designs, people have it in mind. Uh, pools, I think if you're anybody's looking in Ontario to get a pool in 2021, you might be looking more for 2022. Uh, that market seems to have been really uh, on, a, on lots of momentum there. So, uh, um, yeah. And I just read something on LinkedIn about a chlorine shortage for those who have a pool in 2021. Uh, ah, so. so time to turn into oh, your pool into a saltwater pool like we did a few years ago. So there you go. <laughs> Um, so if you, as always, if you want to learn hear from Matt or I or have anything, uh, you can follow us. Um, my website is downtoearth.ca with the number two and all my social media links are there and you can always reach out to me. I know listeners have been emailing me all week about different things. So that's lovely to hear from you. Um, I do do virtual landscape design. So that's another thing that we can talk about if someone's not in our neighborhood and want a design. So you can reach out to me to find out more. And Matt? You can find me at naturalaffinity.ca and all my social media links there as well. Excellent. And you've been busy at school. How's school going? Teaching? Teaching and everything is great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks, yeah. everybody. Yes, thank you, everybody. Sharon, Fret, Harry, Jennifer, Katie, and everybody for tuning in this evening. Thanks for joining us down the garden path here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. 
right here on Reality Radio 101.